The Philadelphia Eagles are the only undefeated team in the NFL at 4-0. and zero. How about them, Cowboys? And is it the end of the road for Carolina and Baker Mayfield already? Let's get into the punt return. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast for Week 5 of the NFL season. I'm your host, Ryan Lapore. We've got a bit of a role reversal today because Nick Splitter is back with us, but the great man is still feeling a little bit under the weather, so we're going to rest those beautiful vocal cords of him, and I'll, I'll take over the hosting duties. But Nick, how are you feeling, mate, and, and how did you uh, find the last week of the NFL? Mate, I'm all right, and I uh, appreciate you taking the reins. So I kind of dropped that on you last minute to see if, uh, see if you could take the reins. This, this week, but no, it was a, a really interesting week of football last week, and I thought that you guys, you and James, did a great job on the, on the show, and um, yeah, really appreciative that, that you guys kind of took that and, and ran with it, because it was a, a, an awesome listen. Well, thank you very much, mate, but uh, big shoes to fill, so hopefully we did it adequately for you, mate, but uh, let's get straight into it and, and get through those talking points that we've I've touched on off the top, and, and the first one is, of course, your Philadelphia Eagles, they're 4-0, and zero. First time since 04 when your boys started 7-0 and zero and made it all the way to the Super Bowl. So good things are coming in Philadelphia. And, and it was it – was, they kind of showed their championship credentials, I think, last week after being challenged severely, especially in that first quarter when they were down 14-0. And then they rattled off 29 unanswered points um, thanks to that defense and that, that ground assault. It's interesting times in Philly, isn't it? It's, it's really promising, but you, you never want to get too far ahead of yourself because you know what this team can do. They've done it a million times before. But at four and zip, you know, playing some pretty good footy, need to need to keep doing it and, and showing, you know, against good teams uh, that that this team can compete consistently, regularly on both sides of the ball. But but at the moment, they're doing everything right. Um, they're not perfect by any stretch, but you know, the record says they're four and zip, and uh, it's hard to complain. Well, that maybe is the hump that they had to get over because the last two times the Eagles started three and zip, they uh, crashed back down to earth and didn't make the playoffs in either of those seasons. So maybe the four and zip is the is the hump they needed to get over. And, and the good thing, I suppose, is that they're winning in different ways. Obviously, Jalen Hurts had probably his his leaner or most poor game of the of the season in terms of the output he provided, but. Uh, the job was done on, you know, the defensive front. And like I said, Miles Sanders was the guy to step up this week. So four rushing touchdowns in total for the team and just finding different ways to win. Obviously, we saw that unbelievable passing game, you know, come to the fore against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago. We saw such a brilliant defensive effort um, against the Commanders and then, of course, the shootout in, in week one. So, yeah, they're just finding ways to different ways to win, which I think shows that they're the real deal. It's a really different... Eagles team. I think for the first time, almost in in my lifetime, and I've been following the Eagles for twenty five years, nearly nearly twenty five years. Um, that they 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 have multiple ways to win. You know, in previous seasons, previous um, iterations of this franchise, you know, you rely really heavily on the defense. Uh, you rely really heavily on the passing game. You've got, um, you know, Deshaun Jackson and and. Um, uh, you know, Carson Wentz in that in that Super Bowl season before his his ACL, uh, Nick Foles obviously. Uh, in other in other seasons, you're relying on the run game. Um, special teams has always been really important in Philly, and at the moment, it feels like there isn't really a weakness. Like if if Jalen Hurts is having a, a a rough a rough trot, or the offensive line is kind of struggling, then it's the defensive line that kind of steps up and 
and picks up the slack or it's the run game uh, that picks up the slack. And, uh, you know, we've spoken a number of times about, you know, what the Eagles needed to do to be a legitimate team. And we knew that there's talent on both sides of the ball, but they needed to put it together consistently. And, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts has taken a massive step both as a, as a, a leader, which I, th- I think we kind of both kind of picked, but also as a quarterback. Um, he, he's now right up there in, in the top, right now, probably in the top five, top six quarterbacks in, in the league at the moment, which, you know, I, I probably didn't pick at the start of the season. I was, I was hoping for maybe a top 10 type season from Jalen Hurts and for him to be kind of top five, top six. Um, you know, he's in the top five uh, betting for, for the MVP at, at the moment. It's, it's early days. A lot of things can change, but he's doing everything right. Um, you know, play calling is great. Uh, defense is menacing. Like every part of, of the team is dangerous. And, you know, one of the things that, that we spoke about in the, the, the early part of the season in, in our preseason previews and that sort of thing was the hype um, and whether this Eagles team could perform up to the hype. They had a, 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 an incredible offseason. AJ Brown, the draft was great. Uh, brought in, you know, uh, impact players uh, around the field. And, you know, the last time they did that was kind of that 2014-15 type season with the, you know, the super team and, and that, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and that just fell flat. And, and normally Philly teams in general, the, the city kind of falls flat when the city gets in, in hype around one of the franchises. So um, it's, it's promising, but it's, it's easy to, to buy too much into it. And, and I don't want to do that. Um, and, and every game is a losable game for the Eagles from now on. <laughs> Such pessimism, but yeah, good time being Philly. Obviously your boys in the baseball have also made the playoffs for the first time in quite a number of years. And, and the 11 years court the other day as well. So 11 years. Uh, do you know, I bet you didn't know if you had to choose out of, I mean, you, you've known me for now n- nearly two years, a year and a half or so, but I bet you wouldn't have guessed that the Phillies were my first Philadelphia sports love. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have picked mm. that, but I know that, how much you do like them, but yeah, certainly would have picked your Eagles as your, as your one true love. But uh, the Phillies, yeah, they're back in the postseason, So hopefully they can do a bit of damage in October as well. Uh, we digress a little bit as we move on to the other team that was three and zip. And the only team before this week uh, we saw that was undefeated was the Dolphins. And they kind of crashed back down to earth after that that really tough game in, in um, week two. Uh, sorry, week three against Buffalo. They kind of crashed back down to earth off the short break mm. away from home. And, of course, that sickening kind of injury where Tua Tagovailoa was uh, carted off the field and the game stopped for a, a quite a number of minutes. So that was really... Um, Disappointing to see, and, and Teddy Bridgewater came in and did a decent job, but they just weren't able to keep up with that um, that dynamic uh, Bengals offense. But yeah, I, I mean they they'll obviously well they should bounce back this week. They've only got the Jets, but um, we know the Jets are improving as well. So interesting times in Miami after that's you know such a hot start. It, it was a hot start for Miami, and um, look, I, I'm not sure we we can take too much out of last week. I, I think we we now see. Yeah, the, the question marks uh, over Miami were consistency, whether they could start the season well and finish the season well. We know that they've tended to do one or the other and, and generally not both. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but the, the other question was, was around the quarterback and whether Tua could be a, a legitimate um, NFL quarterback and whether he could take advantage of the weapons that they've put around him. And I think we saw in the first three weeks that, that, that he can and, and that he's kind of, he's developed his, his skill set and his tools to, to be a really, a really 
legitimate NFL quarterback. Um, and you know, I think his his injury. You know, I, I don't think he was right from the start last week. And then watching him go down again, I wasn't I wasn't able to see it live, but seeing on the replay was that was scary stuff. That was scary stuff, and you've got to feel for him. Um, and, and clearly, you know, there, there's an investigation. There's question marks about you know how he was treated pre-game, you know, coming out of, out of week three, whether he should have been playing at all in week four. Um, but that that's scary stuff, and and I think that that they really struggled. With, with that as well, um, with with Tua not being one hundred percent and then being off the field, I think they really struggled, and the break in play really affected them as well. I thought, yeah, hugely, uh, yeah, easy to see why with you know someone that's so close get carted off like that was yeah, like you said, um, super scary, and uh, let's hope that um, Tua can recover pretty quickly, but um, yeah, certainly no timetable for his return at this stage. Uh, the Broncos they probably had their best offensive output of the mm. season. Uh, in week four with Russell Wilson kind of finally unlocking that offense, but it was their defense that kind of gave up too many big plays and they weren't able to get it done on offense in that second half. And of course, the big one was that Javante Williams, one of the most exciting young running backs in the league, is now out for the whole season with an ACL injury, the first um, to succumb to such an injury from the running back position. And I'm sure, unfortunately, it won't be the last, but... Yeah, really devastating to see someone you know of his talent go down um, so early in his career with a with a season ending injury. It, it is it is devastating. I mean, especially for the Broncos and and for for Javante Williams. And you're right. I mean, someone that that's clearly got so much talent. And I think that the Broncos have done it really nicely in terms of his development. They've allowed him to to learn from Melvin Gordon and uh, work alongside him and and really share that workload with you know, a true veteran of, of the NFL who's been a star in his own right at, at another franchise, um, you know, a, a true legitimate you know, RB1, uh, for want of a better term. And, and for them to work in tandem has been, has been great. I think it's been great for, for Williams. I think it's been good for, for prolonging Melvin Gordon's career. Um, but you know, the, the good thing is, in, in that regard, that the Broncos still have Melvin Gordon to fall back on as, as their you know, starting running back. And... So from a from a pure gameplay perspective, yes, it's 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 tough to lose a guy of that sort of talent, but I don't think it changes the way that they play a whole lot because they can rely. They know they can rely on Melvin Gordon, and he's going to get the job done. Um, on the other the other point that you mentioned is it was good to see them put some put some points on the board and and Russ finally you're know, starting to put the apron on and, and start cooking, but. Um, my fantasy team certainly thanks him for that. It was the first first game that he's kind of um, you know, put some points on the board for me. But uh, look, it's 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 worrying for the Broncos that the the week that they get their offense right to a point, it's the defense that fails. And I don't know, were, were they kind of what did they change kind of during the week that was it an overreaction that they kind of focused on on offense and lost lost focus or lost track of defense? And interesting to see how they recover this week. Well, the team that beat them, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, they finally got their first win on the board and it would have been bittersweet, well, actually quite sweet for Josh McDaniels, who last head, uh, last win as a head coach in this league was 12 years ago. And that uh, again, came against a team that actually fired him, of course, in the Denver Broncos. So it would have been a nice moment for him to savour. And the Raiders, can they go on a run now? Obviously, a playoff team last year. They'd been close in the first three weeks without winning or lose, uh, losing by all um, less than one possession in all those games. But 
after the Chiefs, they've got a huge game against the Chiefs in Kansas City, which is certainly no easy task this week. But after that, they've got a bit of a bit more of a favourable run coming up. They've got Texans, the Saints, the Jags, the Colts, the Broncos again, and the Seahawks, who are all you know teams that are at five hundred or below. So mm. they've got a their their draw opens up a little bit after this game against the Chiefs. So if they could snatch somehow a win against Kansas City, which I don't see happening, um, especially the way. The Chiefs performed last week on offense, but yeah, they're still alive, obviously, and and we know it's it's a pretty long white road back from zero and three, and um, even one and four that they, they could be staring down the barrel this week. But do you see any uh, glimmer or any light at the end of the tunnel there for the Raiders? There is there is a glimmer, there is a glimmer of hope for the Raiders. I, I don't think they I don't think they can make a run. To answer your question directly, I think I think they might get pumped this week. To be brutally honest. Um, and, and you mentioned those winnable games, and, and right now all of those games look very winnable. But we know, you know, the Saints, the Colts, you know, they could do anything. They can turn things around really quickly, and all of a sudden, either of those teams could look almost unbeatable for a period of time. So while right now, after four weeks, those those four games after Kansas City look really winnable and, and a really good opportunity for for some wins in a row, that can change really quickly and. You know, neither the Saints nor the Colts are, are performing up to expectation. And I imagine at some point they start to put things together. The, the two franchises are too good not to do that. It's just a matter of when and whether they can do it in time. But, you know, th- there's a glimmer. And, and if the Raiders start putting it together, then, you know, they've got to be, a, they've got to be competitive this week against the Chiefs. And if they can do that, then I think that they can go in the following week with confidence to go out and play their game, you know, not be reactive, be proactive. They've got talent. Go and play their game, and then if they can, if they win that, then all of a sudden, you know, they're back on the board, and and you go in the next three with with some more hope. But right now, it's just a glimmer. Well, let's move on to Carolina, who at the other end of the spectrum, also one and three for for that matter. But it does potentially look like the end of the road is near for Baker Mayfield already. What do they what do? do? You think? What do, What do yeah. they do though? I don't I don't know what the answer is. I I feel like when you've invested in someone. Like Baker Mayfield, you've got to give them more time, but it's clearly not working at the moment. So what's the answer? I mean, I don't know. What what do you think they should do? Well, Sam Darnold's clearly not the answer in the long term, whether or not they'll put him straight in after being on IR for the first four weeks of this season is remain to be seen. They've obviously come up against a pretty pretty uh, lethal uh, defense in, this week in the San Francisco 49ers, so it doesn't get any easier for the Panthers. And I think um, Matt Rule, though, he'll he'll be the first to go. He'll be the first uh, coach fired this season. Um, I don't really see his uh, tenure at the uh, Panthers as head coach really prolonging past this season and, and maybe even halfway through this season. He might be showing the door. So, yeah, hard one for, for Panthers fans who obviously have a lot of talent on on both sides of the ball, but uh, he they're just not really putting it together at this stage yet. And the, and just some of the play calling and, and schemes that they're dialing up hasn't been working uh, for that Baker Mayfield-led offense. So really interesting to see what they do with Baker. I mean, we, we know that NFL preseasons are not about getting chemistry with your teammates because you don't, like your starters just don't play. And so there's, there's almost no point to it. But that's a different conversation. Um I feel like this. You're at week four. You've you've had four games together. Like that's your preseason, really. And and now you've got a month to show that you can play together and that you can make it work. And if you can't, if you get to if you get to week eight, 
you, know, you start getting up to the, the bye weeks at, at week 10, 12, et cetera, um, and it's still not working, then you've got real question marks around your, your quarterback. If he's got another year to go, if, if this is the final year of his contract, then they're going to have to start looking at some, some decisions. Yeah, fair enough too, mate. I re- yeah, like you said, he, he might be given that grace period for a little bit longer, but it uh, certainly won't be too much of a long leash. You could hear the booze ringing around um, the stadium last week when they were you know, failing to do anything on offense in that second half against the Cardinals. Uh, and we move on to the final talking point, mate. And I know you don't want to hear it, but that's three on the trot for the Cowboys. How about him? Yeah, how about him? I, I, look, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. They, they haven't sold me. They haven't sold me. There's, there's enough. There's too much going on in Dallas at the moment, and they just haven't sold me. Defensively, they look good. They've answered some questions defensively. Uh, offensively, I, th- I think there are still still some question marks around uh, you know, th- their squad, their roster, their availability. Um, you know, I, I just don't. I just don't know. They're they're a good team. Like, I'm pretty open about saying they're a good team. Their quarterback at the moment, Cooper Rush, yet to lose a game in the NFL as a starter, and hasn't thrown an interception yet either this year, which is has been phenomenal. And and one of the reasons why they're you know why they've been able to do so well on defense because they're just staying. The offense is staying on the field. They're not giving the the defense too many times to go back out there and, and perform, and they're giving them the rest that they need and. And the defense are coming up trumps when they need to. And and obviously, Michael Parsons leading that. They've also had, you know, solid contributions for the rest of that offensive front. And then the secondary is being pretty good too. They're not allowing any of those big chunk plays. So, yeah, the Cowboys are building something a little bit special, uh, maybe. I don't know if they can match it with your boys, the Eagles. I can't wait for those for that uh, NFC East showdown to take place in a few weeks' time. But, yeah, interesting game this week for the Cowboys with the Rams coming into town. Or, sorry, them heading to LA to play the Rams, especially after um, last week. I think the Cowboys can make a bit of a make a bit of a noise there. So yeah, interesting to see how that game plays out. But we'll touch on that as we head into the game previews. But before we do, mate, we did say a week or two ago as well that we're going to look through our early season predictions uh, at the twenty percent mark of the season. We've just ticked over that now with four weeks into the season. So let's have a quick look at our season predictions. Uh, some good ones, some bad ones. Uh, we'll just kick off with the division winners uh, very quickly because obviously it's still very early days and not much has changed. The Bengals, we both like to win the AFC North. A huge game this week against the Ravens, who are also at 2-2. Two and two. The Ravens have shortened into $1.90 favourites. The Bengals actually drifted slightly to two eighty eight from their opening quote at two sixty. mate. Are we, are we a little bit nervous about that one? Very nervous. Very nervous about that one. I... I wonder if there's some kind of second-year blues happening. I, I don't know what's happening with their offense. Their offense is not what we expected, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but that's kind of the hallmark of this franchise, and you know, they're, just, they're not delivering at the moment. Um, yeah, big big question marks and, and big concerns around that, uh, that futures bet for sure. Well, another one under grave danger at the moment is the AFC South. The, oh, this is the only one we've trouble. Went- yeah, well, this is the only game, only division in the whole league that we both uh, that we hadn't decided on um, a winner, and we actually were split head to head here. I went with the Tennessee Titans. You went with the Indianapolis Colts, but it's actually the Jacksonville Jags that are the favourites right now at two forty. Uh, obviously, the Titans and Jags are leading that currently at two and two. But yeah, early signs. But the the early signs point to the Jags being maybe the standout in that division. I mean, d- deservedly so. They they deserve to be the favourite in in that 
division right now. I still think I still think at some point the wheels fall off in Jacksonville, and and I still feel like uh, I, we, we spoke about this really briefly before we started recording, but I still feel like the Colts win this division somehow. I, I just feel like they're they're too good, they're too good a franchise to keep performing like this. They're underperforming at the moment. I still think they win the division, but they're running out of time. Yeah, they certainly are. They kick off the week with a huge Thursday night game against actually, the Broncos. I actually might put my money where my mouth is and have a little double down on the Colts now that they've, come, they've come out. Now, what are, I think they're out to about 280 or something. To win yeah, something like Jags, that. 240, they... something like that. 288, yeah. the Colts. So, yeah, I might, I might double down and, and have another Ooh. little play at the odds for the Colts. I just... I've just got a feeling about the Colts. They put it together and they go on a bit of a run. And, and I think at some point the Jags, they're good, but they're not that good. Yeah, well, Indy usually kind of are notoriously slow starters, as we've touched on many times in this mm. podcast, and they kind of hit their straps after that week four kind of time and they, they make their run. So, yeah, I can, I can see it certainly happening, but just with the way they've been playing, I really, yeah. Don't they've know, been poor. Don't no, confidence. no doubt about it. They've been poor. <laughs> We'll skip over the AFC East because that looks uh, a race in two as we kind of anticipated, but the Bills have actually shortened, funnily enough, even though they did lose to the Dolphins in week three. But with those question marks now in the quarterback situation in Miami, the Bills are the standout there in the AFC East. The AFC West is the one we probably had our biggest throw at the stumps at, and that was the Chargers to win that division. Obviously, the banged-up Justin Herbert and a few other key injuries. Corey Lindsley, Rashawn Slade is out for the year. We've had Guyton and few others out for the Chargers. They've and just some bad decision making. They've yep. they've actually drifted out to four fifty. We've seen the form of Kansas City. Um they certainly don't look to be missing Tyreek Hill all too much yet. They obviously had that one blip against those Colts that you mentioned. But Kansas City the doll, dominant favourites are dollar fifty now in that division. So yeah, a bit of a panic stations in the AFC West for us, mate. Definitely running out of time for the Chargers and, and running out of patience with them to be honest as well. But I think yeah, I think what we what we spoke about the Chargers at the start of the season was that they've got the talent, they've got the ability to challenge the Chiefs, and it was just a matter of whether they could take that next step. We we knew that they needed to be making better decisions, the the play calling needed to be better, the the coaching needed to be better, and and we thought that Brandon Staley would step up and and take that next step, and he probably hasn't done that to this point. Uh, there's still time, there's no doubt about it, but but certainly the Chiefs have kind of looked at them and you know looked at at, at the fans looked at the market, you know, throwing down the gauntlet is the, the Chiefs reign over and, uh, you know, they're fighting back the Chiefs. Yeah, they're playing with that bit of chip on their shoulder. They certainly they certainly showed that in their last match against the Bucks, which you could tell they were all up for after losing that Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, the NFC, less movement. Well, less kind of um, surprises, some, I should there's say. There's been some big movement. Big there's movement been some big... Less surprises is probably the way to put it. We'll start with the North... Uh, the Packers still look the dominant team. They have drifted though slightly. Uh, you know they've had a few issues of their own. So dollar uh, fifty seven at the start of the year that we both took. Uh, they're now out to a dollar eighty, but that still looks like their division to lose. The Bucks the same. Um, they've actually shortened slightly uh, from a dollar thirty to dollar twenty two. But the big one, the big one, and we both love the Eagles to win that division in the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles, if you can believe, are a dollar twenty five. Not sure that's quite right in terms of that's um, huge unders for me, but they do still look like the clear standout in that division. Oh, mate, this, uh, 
It's huge unders. <laughs> it's huge unders. I mean, that they should be favourite. That should be deservedly favourite. But a dollar twenty-five. I mean, come on. With with the Cowboys at at three and one, still getting Dak Prescott back. Um, you know, with that defense, with Micah Parsons, uh, you know, generational talent in, in a number of positions potentially. Like, you, you never discount the the Cowboys. I, I think the Eagles are are on the right track, but and and deservedly favorite, like I said. But a dollar twenty five is is way too short. Packers are the interesting one that we both had it at the short favorite dollar fifty seven. We had preseason to win that division. I think they still win the division. And that that uh, lengthening of their odds out to a what they a dollar eighty so dollar eighty dollar ninety something now um, is probably about right given the start that they had and yep. and some of the lethargy that we've seen on offense. But you know defensively they're uh, they're playing pretty well at the moment. I think they're starting to put those pieces together on offense with uh, Alan Lazard coming back, the the two headed beast on on the ground, um, and. and I think that they're still deserved favourites, and, and I think that that's still their division to lose. And the Bucks, the one question mark about the Bucks is whether the Saints could put it all together. And so far, the, that answer is a resounding no. So, um, you know, the Bucks, yeah, again at dollar thirty, we had them. Uh, where are they at now? Dollar twenty-two. That's about right, I think. Yeah, I think that's. Um better than bank interest to be honest i don't see them losing that division and i'd certainly rather jump into a dollar 22 of the bucks than the dollar uh, 25 of the philly eagles 100 for sure 100 uh, and the last one we'll touch on obviously is the nfc west and we saw that you know huge matchup on monday night football that potentially you know goes a long way to defi- deciding these divisions and that's the rams and the niners they're both uh, or actually, every all four teams in that division currently are two and two. We both picked the Rams at the start of the season, but yeah, currently right now they've both shortened the Niners and the Rams, and they're equal favourites at two dollars ten. But uh, certainly worrying signs in LA, I think. It's it must be getting close to panic stations. We'll talk about the Rams a little bit later on, but it must be getting close to crisis point in LA, uh, especially on offense there, and and even on defense as well. I mean. You and I both spoke during the week watching that that Rams game, the second half of, of the Rams Niners game, and there are I mean there are question marks all over the Awful. field at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Stafford is a massive question mark. The secondary is a question mark. Um, the offensive line yeah. is getting oh it's, it's you know, yeah they're terrible. getting bullied at the moment. The Rams are getting bullied, and yeah the Niners the Niners are no slouch. Like don't get me wrong, the Niners are not a bad team. They're a good team, uh, but they they bullied the Rams last week and and it's gonna be really interesting to see what they can do over the next few weeks yeah that was as big a or you know as big a beat down you've seen in like a in a two possession game that was a that was a smashing um yeah. on monday night football but i, I we'll would move on. to say that that was a worse a, a much 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 worse loss than the bills loss in week one yeah oh yeah for sure yeah even though the the margin was definitely less but yeah it, yep. just the way it looked um yep yeah, some worrying signs for the Rams and the defending Super Bowl champions. We'll move on to a couple of the awards. Uh, the big one being the MVP. We both liked Justin Herbert, who is still in the market, drifted slightly out to 13 bucks after a couple of injury concerns, but he does lead the league in passing yards. Uh, but the couple of dark horses that we both liked, you, Jalen Hurts, myself, Lamar Jackson at over $20. They are now both into that top three, top four in the market at 650 each. Thank you very much. Well, it just goes to show how much of a, a quarterback market this, you know, the, the MVP is. It, it's a quarterback award, uh, but also how much the, the trend is changing to that, the, you know, the 
the ground game quarterback, the quarterback, the, the athleticism, the, the running game, yeah, the powerful legs. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts are equal third in MVP betting at the moment, I believe. Uh, Hurts in from 26 to 650 and Jackson in from 21 to 650. So, yeah, pretty, pretty big movements there. Yeah, and like you said, Josh Allen, top of the market, another man that can run and use his legs and... Yeah, he's the they're all the prototypes at the moment, aren't they? Of um, well, you know quarterbacks going forward. That's it. I mean, you, so you've got you've got Allen Allen at favourite. I think you've got Mahomes second favourite, and then Hurts mm. and, and Lamar at, at equal third. So, I mean, that's the the next generation of of QBs. And then yeah, like you said, Justin Herbert at, at thirteen bucks is still well and truly in the conversation while he while he leads the league in passing yards. Absolutely, a couple of rookies of the year. Uh, we'll start with the offensive front. Both, both, one, both our picks have performed really well. Chris Olave from the Saints, uh, I had at twelve dollars. He's now into five fifty. Brees Hall, um, your man, uh, the running back from the New York Jets, has performed pretty well as well. He's uh, just drifted slightly though, but uh, still well within the market there. I think Olave Olave is a really good bet. Uh, especially at those odds, I think you, you got him at the right time, and, and he's deservedly come into into favoritism at, at five fifty. Brees Hall, I think there's more to come, and I think that he comes in. He's he's lengthened to um, mm. he's coming out to fifteen from thirteen, but I think as as he gets more time, yeah, uh, and, and more reps with that that New York offense, that that he'll he'll get better and better, and and I think that he comes in. Um, Alave might have it already. Now, I mean, if he stays on the trend, then it's going to be pretty hard to beat him in this market. But um, I think there's still a few a few potential contenders later on through. Yeah, the oh, for sure. There's been a, there's a, there's it's a really good class of offensive rookies this year. And while the defensive guys have been solid, they certainly haven't probably you know gone to the heights of of those on the offensive front. Aiden Hutchinson, your pick though, did have three sacks in a game, which was the Detroit Lions franchise yeah. record, funnily enough, after, you know, a franchise that's been around as long as the Lions, he's come in, yeah. in his second or third game, he, he broke the record or equaled the record. And, and my pick, Trayvon Walker's been solid enough for the Jags as well. I'm kicking myself that, well, Walker's, Walker's come in, I think. Walker's come in from 13. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Walker has come 13 in. 13 to nine. But Hutchinson, very, very, he's very, steady. yeah, he's 550 out to six. But yeah, that, that's yeah, 50 cents here and there is neither here nor there. And, and I think, again, he gets better, but he's kind of saddled with being in a really bad Detroit defense, and I yeah, think that's God. where he's going to struggle. Whereas Trayvon Walker is showing out in what is looking like a pretty decent Jags team at the moment, and and it's you know their offense is is firing more than I think anybody thought that they would. Um, but being able to, to to do what he does next to guys like Josh Allen and and a few of the other guys in, in that Jags defense is um is doing him a world of good, Trayvon Walker and. I'm kicking myself I didn't get that 13 bucks at, at the start of the season. Big one, though, and you've been kicking yourself for this because he probably had it wrapped up after week one, but the poor guy tore his peck, and that's TJ Watt, the defending defensive player of the year. He was 825 coming into the start of the year, probably would have been into almost even money after that week one mm. performance where he did everything. But yep. uh, he's been injured ever since, unfortunately, and he's just blown out to 26 bucks. where is my pick? Nick Bosa leads the league in sacks, and he's ten fifty into six dollars. I'm not sure if that makes him favourite, mate. You had the the market second favourite, second, second favourite behind, behind Micah, Micah Parsons. Uh, yeah. and, and I think Nick Bosa is probably the biggest uh, different franchises, different everything. Nick Bosa is probably the biggest beneficiary of TJ Watt being out. I think in terms of mm. comparative players, 
light yeah, for light. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And and Nick Bosa, I think part of the issue that Nick Bosa has is that he's always compared to TJ Watt, and now he's being out. He's, he's able to show out with Watt not on the field um, for the Steelers. So it's a really big loss for the for the Steelers. Uh, a big loss for my bank balance because that was my uh, my favorite of all pretty much all all these plays as it almost is every year. But uh, the guy's a superstar and. Uh, Look, you're looking in pretty good shape in that market. Yeah, so far so good. But yeah, uh, Michael Parsons certainly looks the one to beat at this stage. But comeback player of the year. Now, this is where we've done some very good shopping. Now, mm-hmm. we both had a pick, uh, a slight shorter pick. Uh, we both really liked one, though, at value, and that was Saquon Barkley. So let's skip over the other two and <laughs> worry about Saquon, who we both locked in at 18 bucks and is now the yep. dominant $2.50 favorite and leads the league in rushing. Has done absolutely everything and looks like the Saquon of old. And, yeah, at this stage, looks to be an absolute lock in that market, providing he stays healthy, which is the big question mark, isn't it, for all of these guys, really? Uh, 100%. 100%. And, and you're, I mean, the only thing that can beat Saquon Barkley right now is Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't go from eighteen bucks to two fifty if you're not doing something special. It doesn't matter what the market is; you're doing something special. And and even if even if he wasn't in this market, the the, the numbers that he's putting up, the play that he's he's showing is just elite on every level. Um, and, and seeing him in a a, a a Brian Dayball offense is is pretty fun to watch. Um, wish they had a better quarterback to to kind of run that offense, but. You know, they're doing some okay things, and Saquon Barkley is proving once again that he's a, a special player. And uh, you know, luckily for us, for for us, that was our our value play because uh, Derek Henry and Christian McCaffrey have both lengthened in that market. But I think still, still, you know, decent options, still decent options mm. to have in 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 the book. Yep, hundred percent. But uh, regretting that we didn't, yeah, pick. Probably should have gone. Probably should have gone harder at Barkley. In That's hindsight. right. Exactly right. We'll skip over the playoffs and the Super Bowl predictions because obviously we're only four weeks into the season and, you know, there's absolutely no point talking about them at the moment. But uh, we'll move into a couple of the futures bets that we had. I'm super worried about my lock of the of the year and that was the Atlanta Falcons under four and a half. They're actually mm. doing well <laughs> this year. <laughs> they look good on offense. They've... They've unlocked a bit of bit of um, razzle-dazzle and they're performing well, thankfully, for this futures bet that Kadaro Patterson is on IR at the moment. But they're already halfway there, so I've only got two wins left up my sleeve. Other one I did like a lot and I'm really unhappy that I didn't smash this a little bit more was the Commanders to uh, under 7.5 wins for the year. Uh, the Bengals I tipped for over 9.5. They're teetering on the edge. They probably need to win this week that would be a big result but uh that has certainly drifted out or i should say the line for instance from nine and a half is coming to eight and a half so Mm. a couple of these lines have moved one i'm very happy about is the nfc east the top two finishes in any order dallas philadelphia that looks like a good bet at this stage that was locked in at 210 derrick henry over 12 75 and a half rushing yards for the season currently sitting at 306 so uh, a little bit behind schedule, maybe just, but he's he's fine. You know he can have those huge games, but one that's pretty much almost done. And funnily enough, after four games, he's almost halfway there, and that's Tyreek Hill over 1,000 yards. He's already had 470 leads the league 
in receiving yards by a fair way at this stage, mate. But uh, so, yeah, not looking too bad at most of those futures. I'm a bit worried about the Falcons and the Bengals at this stage, but the other four, very comfortable with. For you, mate, I uh, like I, the Bears. The light. I actually, I actually think I actually think you're in you're in very very reasonable form in, in these ones. I think that the Falcons are one of those teams. Like right now, they're a top eleven DVOA team, efficiency per play. They they are a top eleven DVOA team, and and that is unsustainable for a team with that limited talent. And that as uh, putting it kindly, limited talent on that roster. They're performing above expectation. That's gonna. That's the wheels are gonna fall off at some stage, and and they have the ability to go and lose twelve in a row. Uh, that that's just reality. And so, yes, they're two and two. The line was four and a half. You got a couple of games there. They've got the ability to to not win two more games the rest of the season very easily. Um, Commanders, like you said, that line's coming from seven and a half to six and a half. That shows you something. Shows you something really early. And the Bengals the same. That line's coming from nine and a half to eight and a half. Uh, and and you know, I, I think that uh, I think that you're in pretty good shape, to be honest. Well, the one about the interesting one about the Commanders was so the books that I saw they were actually under eight and a half. However, it wasn't like an even money play at that that line. Yeah. It was a dollar yeah. sixty for under yeah. eight and a half. So I was happy to go to under seven and a half to get that higher price, but Absolutely. yeah, they they certainly don't look to be. Um, yeah, well, that's how that that's how they get stage. you. That's how they get you the books, isn't it? <laughs> They get, now you, this, they get you the extra game, and then, and then they put it. They put the odds at dollar sixty instead of a dollar eighty, dollar eighty five. So this is how they suck you in. But uh, I, I don't mind yours either, mate. At this stage, I, I'm very happy. With, I'd be very happy if I was you as well, mate. So yours, Chicago Bears under six and a half. Somehow yeah, well, they've won two games. They should be. They, they've they won, should have won zero. Yeah, that's right. They should have. But even still, that that six and a half line has stayed has stayed the same. But the dollar eighty. Dollar eighty eight, I think that they are at, has come into a dollar sixty one for under six and a half. So I'm reasonably happy with that. Yeah, that's a good start for you. The New York Giants, though, mate, this is the one. Now you've taken them under seven. They have already got three wins, but they do have some big injury concerns at quarterback yep. at the moment. But yeah, they started well. Really, do you know Again, what really concerns still, me? Now heads ahead. Really concerns you know, Well, yeah, and we you haven't know what? worked that we, out yet. I, I know, and thank God because I'm going to be pushing hard for something. Not expensive, but um, <laughs> the, the thing that concerns me about that market is that when I was when I was trying to work out where we were when where we were lying with our uh, with our plays at the moment after week four is that that New York Giants uh, futures game win line was not there, and so even the books <laughs> can't decide what that line should be now uh, after it started at seven, and so uh, if the books can't decide, we know that they are the sharpest. On the planet, the books are the best. That is why they do what they do. Uh, and if they can't decide what that line should be, then uh, I feel like I'm in real trouble here. A couple of other ones that you liked was the other was the same as me with the Derrick Henry. So we're probably on par there with the over twelve and yeah. we, we know that he, we know that Derrick Henry finishes season strong, and he, and he'll have that he'll have that one week where he'll, he'll put up two fifty yards, and all of a sudden everything looks okay again. So well, hopefully okay that's that. that. Hopefully that's this week against my old mob, the Commanders. <laughs> We've got Mark Andrews, mate, who's uh, performed brilliantly through the first half of the year. He hasn't probably put up the huge receiving numbers. He's certainly getting into the end zone. But uh, I think that bet looks okay as well. 260 yards he's currently on at the moment. Uh, the line was 950, mate. How are you feeling about that one? 
Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I think that's that's yeah, almost as much of a lock as your Tyreek Hill bet, even though the, the 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 ratio is probably not as not as even there. But I, I feel like uh, I was hoping that at this stage he he would have had three hundred yards at least. But I think that what we've seen is you know, a bit more yardage out of uh, Bateman and Duvernay and and those guys, uh, and obviously leaning on the run game as as we know that they do. But um, yeah, I think that that's pretty safe. Nine fifty, I thought was short at the start of the season. I still think it's short, even with yeah. you know, over overperforming receivers as, as we've seen. Yeah, he's still the number number one target for Lamar Jackson, no doubt. And the other one, Devontae Adams, he's had a good start as well in the Raiders' offense. He had one quiet week, but he exploded back against the Broncos last week. And his line at twelve hundred looks pretty good as well. He's currently got two ninety on the board. I think it's. I think I thought it was short at the start of the season. I think it's about right now. Uh, again, would have been hoping for probably slightly more after four weeks that he'd you know be averaging a hundred yards. But uh, look, I think that comes and and again a bit like Derrick Henry is it only takes one of those weeks or two of those weeks where he, where he hits one fifty one sixty and and all of a sudden things are back on track and uh, you know two ninety yards after after four the Lions twelve hundred I think yeah that's pretty pretty on track. All right, we'll quickly whip through the last ones where there's some bold predictions, dark horse bets. We already touched on the one at, and the one the only that we need to worry about, and that's Saquon Barkley. Come back later <laughs> the year at 18 bucks. He is into 250, as we mentioned. Uh, Justin Herbert, most passing yards I had at six bucks. He's now into 450. He does lead the league in that category. Travis Kelsey, uh, after a couple of big weeks, has gone down a little bit more. He's uh, gone blown out to twenty six bucks. I locked in sixteen bucks at the start of the year. He's about one fifty yards behind the leader, which is Tyreek Hill, and Kenneth Walker. Uh, no game time yet, and not doing much when he is on the field. So that one you can almost put up as confetti, unless he does something ridiculous in the back half of the year, mate. You've got Devontae most receiving yards locked that in at thirteen. He's out to twenty three, but again. Around that yeah. one fifty one seventy kind of mark behind Tyreek Hill, so it's gettable. It's it's gettable, and and again, like the situation in Miami is kind of is fluid, right? So there's still like, yeah. I, I'd I'd almost be tempted to maybe not double down, but but even have a little a little play now at, at twenty three. I, I I locked him in at thirteen for most receiving yards. I'd be tempted to have a little play at twenty three, just just in case because. It, let's say Tua misses a month. I mean, it, it might be one week. It could be six weeks. It could be the rest of the season with that, that concussion. Uh, you know, what does what does Tyreek Hill look like without Tua now? Uh, what does that offense look like without Tua? Um, he is clearly the favorite, as he should be. Tyreek Hill at the moment is is dominating that stat. But uh, Devonta Adams is one of those guys, especially with with a QB like Derek Carr, who's consistent, reliable. Um, that uh, you know that 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 difference can be made up pretty quickly. Yeah, 100%. I don't mind that. If you um, jump on Devontae Adams now at 23, I think that that represents some really good value. Uh, as you said, the uncertainty, especially in Miami at the moment. Joe Burrow, most passing yards, 875. That would be shorter if his offensive line could keep him upright. But mm. now they've done that over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's still a chance in that market. He's not that far behind. It hasn't been a huge, huge um, year so far, I suppose, for passing yards. Um so the leader, Justin Herbert's only averaging, I think, a tick over 300. So it's not not crazy crazy numbers as we saw a couple of years ago with Dak and a few others. So mm. um, Joe Burrow, most pass yards, out to 10 bucks, not a bad little bet. And you're in good shape still, there, I reckon. 
it's still open. And again, yeah, you, know, you could probably probably have a little flutter at ten bucks. You, you might even, I mean, depending on how you think this game this week goes, maybe wait another week and see if that jumps out to twelve or or fourteen uh, for for Joe Burrow. But I, I still think that he's well in the race. The, the difference is not is not big enough for the difference in odds between Herbert and Burrow. And, and I think that if if that offense in, in Cincinnati does start ticking and you know they looked like they were getting on the right track last week, um, that that's still I'm I'm still happy with that bet at eight seventy five and I'm I'm tempted to have a, another little flutter at, at ten and, and, and I think that they might get pumped this week by Baltimore and, and might even if that if that does happen, might have another little play at, at Burrow next week. Mm. Yeah, no, like you said, it's a wide-open race, uh, anyone's game there still. But the one that you'll be very much happy about, of course, is the Philadelphia Eagles. The arms get raised in the air from our man Nick. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, NFC Championship winner, 11 bucks now into four. Well, this, I, I said this to you before we started recording. This was my most unlikely long-shot <laughs> dark horse bet of, of the lot. I thought I I legitimately thought all of the other dark horse bets that we listed were realistic chances of of lobbing, and this one was like a you know heart versus head type thing. Like if everything goes right, if everything goes right for the Eagles, then you know that they win the division. You know, it could be you know top two, top three seed, maybe in the in the conference. But eleven bucks to win the championship. If everything goes right to win the NFC championship, maybe that's uh. There's some value there. And at the moment, everything's going right. And that's coming from 11 to 4. So I'm pretty happy about that. And I've now got to decide what wins the head or the heart. Do you cash out or do you let it ride? And right now, I'm a let it ride kind of guy. You've got to let that ride. You've got to let that <laughs> ride. All right. We'll quickly do a quick whip around. That was our season predictions. But we'll do a quick whip around for our week four bets. Nick, thankfully, you didn't have anything to do with these and because uh, they were pretty average. So um, James and I, we we struggled. Our lock of the week, uh, the Detroit Lions, they they scored 45 points, but they still lost. So um, that was a loss for us, unfortunately. But um, that was also after DeAndre Swift and Amon Ra St. Brown both pulled out or ruled out post our recording last week, so that's certainly very unlucky. Very, un- very that's, unlucky, and 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 you can't be the, allowing forty eight points. Like, no, that's, that's right, right. <laughs> and that that's true. And their their defense is a real worry, but but offensively, you know, they've they've got some they've got some pieces there. But thanks to the uh, the listeners that wrote in uh, into our DMs on on Twitter and Instagram, uh, having a go at, at taking the lines at the lock of the week with. Uh, uh, St. Brown and DeAndre Swift out. Uh, that wasn't the case when you guys recorded. So uh, it's hard to blame you there, but... Uh, yeah, I didn't see those that DMs. Stuff. I'm interested. I'm going to I'm gonna have to have a little bite back. That's, that's, what, happens, that's, that's, that's what happens when you're the boss, mate. You get the, you get the messages. <laughs> you, protect, you protect me. But no, look, that was, um, that was fair enough. Look, that was... Let's be honest. Let's, that was all James. He, that was his bet. So um, he's... And a he's, future, he's He's a futures man, but he he does like Detroit to make the playoffs, and I still think that's a big big one there. So mm. um, we did have the Cowboys to cover, though. Thanks, listeners, for that one. Uh, I liked uh, a couple of outsiders. I liked Arizona to, to win straight out in that money line, and also cover and, and the Titans as well, who both won. 
as those outsiders, but we just had a disaster in prime time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Rams both getting smashed, really. Mm. Um, and the scoreboard probably flattered both of them, to be honest. They were both yep. never in the hunt. And the Browns, I, I stupidly jumped on them, probably more so than I just wanted the Falcons to lose. But as we know, the Browns <laughs> cannot be trusted. So the Browns, the, week. the one thing that you know about the Browns is that they are going to brown. The Browns are going to brown. <laughs> And that's about it. You know what that means, but you know it's going to happen. We've got our captain back in the chair, so let's uh, let's hope he's got something special for us. But uh, we Ooh, kick no things pressure. off Thursday night football, Friday morning, our time. We do have that extra hour um, now. So the games are kicking off at around a quarter past 11. Local time here in Melbourne. Uh, it's Indianapolis Colts against the Denver Broncos in the Mile High City. The Broncos head in as three and a half point favorites at this stage, time of recording. Total is 42 and a half. Nick, what do you think here, mate? It's a it's a weird one, this one, because it's two teams that are both desperate, desperate to win. Yeah, and I'm desperate, desperate for a Colts win. Uh, and they've been really underwhelming, really disappointing. Uh, with the point start that's over a field goal, uh, I just don't I just don't trust the Broncos. I have slightly more trust in the Colts even the way they are at the moment and probably shouldn't, but uh, I'm probably leaning, I'm probably leaning the Colts at, at that line at three and a half. If it comes into a flat three or any more, then it's probably a stay out, but uh, worth keeping an eye on, on Jonathan Taylor's ankle because there is some whispers that he could miss this week. Uh, and just a quick one. Uh, Broncos have failed to cover the line in their last four as favorites while the Underdogs have won six of the last seven in Indianapolis games. So kind of helps me with that lean to the Colts uh, with this one. So if it stays at three and a half, I'm happy to happy to play that coming into uh, Friday morning, Australian Eastern. Um, but if it comes into three or anything less, then it's a stay out. Oh, huge. Yeah, I can't play in this one. It's a stay out, but I do lean the same way. I still think the Colts... That start of three and a half is a nice little um, a start for them. Uh, and obviously, they are better than what they've shown over the first few weeks. And the Broncos, we know how much they've struggled on offense. So they'll stay in the game, the Colts, you would think. And, you know, they managed to squeak out a win against the Chiefs. So they they can't all be all bad. But the, the huge concern for me is Matt Ryan and, and just that offensive yeah. line as well. And he had another fumble last week, this time on the opening drive of the game. I actually don't know if that fumble was his fault. Uh, like... I think they've got some issues with the snappers, with the holders. Like mm-hmm. I think there's, I think there's some issues in general uh, with that Colts offense. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, I mean, there's they're certainly not getting the the output out of Matt Ryan that they would have hoped for. No, definitely not. And the issue, I suppose, and and what we touched on before, and our when we we're talking about the quarterbacks of the future, Matt Ryan is certainly not that in terms of no. his mobility and. He's a pocket passer, and that's about it. And he just hasn't got the weapons to throw to at this stage. Michael Pittman, who we're both high on coming into the season, has been very quiet. Um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, that. I'm still. Oh, I still think Michael he's Pittman. got all the talent in the world. He's a, he's yeah. going to be a good player, but just not getting enough open looks. Jonathan Taylor was completely bottled up last week, averaging two yards a carry on twenty attempts as well, and he also had a fumble himself. And now we know he's a bit banged up with that ankle. So yeah, a little bit of concern in Indy regarding that but 
Broncos defense, despite their, you know, their struggles last week, they still ranked top five in the league for points allowed and, and for yards allowed. And, and while Josh Jacobs kind of had his way with them last week, uh, I still think that Broncos defense is pretty damn good and it'll be, hold them in good stead. But you know, what was, yeah, what was just, amazing. What was amazing for me? I mentioned earlier that it was the first time that Russ Wilson had, had put some points on the board for my fantasy mm. team, but I, I had Russ Wilson and Josh Jacobs out of that game. And that was, uh, mm. Very, very handy. So, three and one, baby. No, yeah, one and well, three. One and three. <laughs> one and three. Well, one and three. I mean, to me at least, I care to admit, but um, I'm having a really good season on the on um, on fantasy so far. But uh, one of my losses last week was against the Josh Jacobs team. He, he, the guy also had TJ Hawkinson, who had forty odd points as well. So, um, I lost with about one hundred and eighty, and um, the guy put up yeah. Almost two hundred, which I know you did. In, in that I did. You're just talking. Just, about. just quickly, while while we're talking about fantasy, we should. I reckon every week we should give a little update on our fantasy team because we did get That's an invite to a league as yeah. as the podcast. We got an invite to a, a, a listener's fantasy league, and we're now two and two. We, we got off to a bit of a rough start. Zero oh and two. We're now two and two, and uh, we, had a big I think week. we should. We had- we, we did have a good week, but I, I think that we should. I think we should give a, a weekly update into the uh, into the fantasy yeah, league like and yeah, I think ha- how the team's going and, and what the moves what the moves are looking like. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to go with just you know, on that. That um, yeah, the team that we did co-manage and and was kind enough. We were very lucky enough, I should say, to to be invited into a, a Yahoo fantasy league for the, from a couple of the listeners. So thank you again for the invite and extending it. Um, but yeah, we had a good win on the weekend, uh, and uh, we're two and two. Like you said, we've jumped up the standings, and things are looking a bit better with um, Austin Eckler finally breaking out uh, for a big game. Our, it was like, our receiving yeah. core has been decimated from week one. Like we, we've been we've been shot in the foot from the start with uh, Chris Godwin and you know, a bunch of other guys. But uh, I think starting to put it together. Starting to put it together. Yeah, we, well, we didn't even play Godwin because there was concerns that he would be a game-time decision. Mm. And with the Sunday night game, we, we opted to leave him out. But thankfully, Michael Gallup played his first game of the season and, and he did okay with scoring that touchdown. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. We'll, we'll touch on that fantasy league, uh, at least at the start of the show. Uh, every week going forward, uh, I know how much our listeners love fantasy as well. So if you've got any fantasy tips or questions or if you you know you're discussing trades we'd also love to hear it nick and i both love assessing people's trades and and things like that so yeah shoot them through if you've got any of course uh we'll move on to the next game we've also got another london game this week so for the night hours or the the early yeah the night hours i should say you're not getting up at 12 30 are you to watch it you're staying surely up not. and that's uh <laughs> green bay packers surely, surely not playing the new york giants at tottenham hotspur stadium once again it's the first ever game for the Packers in London or outside the United States, they go in as eight and a half point favorites. Total there is 41.5. And like I said, yeah, first game ever outside of the US, the last team in the league to do so, the Packers. So they're finally getting on the plane and Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing his first game uh, away from away from the state. So that'll be good to see. The Giants actually played Packers, the first ever Packers game. Fans, Packers fans don't leave Wisconsin, do they? Little <laughs> but there you go. I'm sure there'll be plenty of cheeseheads though. In London for this one, and the the Giants, um, as I was just saying, played the first ever game in at in London at Wembley Stadium, and and haven't lost in London before. They're two and zero, but I think that changes uh, this time around. Obviously, with 
huge concerns over their quarterback. They might have to start third stringer Davis Webb uh, with Daniel Jones with an ankle injury. Tyrod Taylor's in a concussion protocol. And, you know, it might be a good omen, though, for the Giants because last week the Patriots had a third stringer and almost beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And that was, you know, hard to believe what, what we were watching last week with Aaron Rodgers struggling in the first half only having about 40 yards. He had to throw a pick six right at, right before the first half kind of ended. But as the Aaron Rodgers, as Aaron Rodgers does and the Packers do, their defense and, and him took over in the second half and they they end up squeaking out an important victory in overtime. And yeah, like like we touched on it the in the um in the predictions or got looking back there, like you said, Nick, they they look to start to click now. They've got um the rookie Romeo Dobbs as well, who's been really great. And, and getting a lot more trust from from Aaron Rodgers. Christian Watson had his best game of the year as well last week. Alan Lazard's been good in his return. And then, of course, like you said, the running game's still going well with Dylan and, and Jones. But however, Dylan's been pretty quiet this year. He's, he hasn't really had that breakthrough, like um, those breakout games like he did last year. But thankfully for Packers fans, Jones has kind of been carrying the load there. But they uh, surely don't go in and, and struggle against a backup quarterback this time here. The Packers, they should win and win well. Um, I'm not too sure I could take the eight and a half. I know you're a bit more keen on it, but uh, look, Saquon Barkley, obviously the shining light for the Giants, and they've, they're three and one, so it's been a good start for them. And uh, we'll finally work out that. Let's let's work out that line bet now, mate, uh, and work out our head-to-head. <laughs> so what did you want? Because I know you were keen. You said Giants even, they wouldn't even win four games. So... I was happy to I give did. you some lean away, and, and we'll, we I did. I thought about the five and a half mark is where we ended up, but I could be wrong. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I did say that, and <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm regretting that now. But look, the, the line the the line that you took was seven and a half or seven. Nick, let's let's make it a friendly six and a half between us. All right, six six and a half. All right, let let <laughs> let's say let's say if it's six, if it's six flat, if it's six flat, we're even. Six and a half. If it's if they win seven, you win. If they win five, yep. I win. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm happy. Uh, with that. I, did, I did actually. You're right. I, I probably did say at the start of the season in my predictions that I thought they'd win seven to eight games. So yeah, let's do that. Let's make it. Six so and a half. all right. So all right. So the, so now the question is, what is what is what does the winner get? What is the winning Something game? nice to drink, I think. We both like to drink. Either yeah. a box of... A bottle of whiskey, craft a bottle of whiskey or, or a slab or... or... Nice... Yeah, I was going to say either a box of craft beers or a, or a nice whiskey. Something like that. All right. Loser so... loser can just pick. Lo- loser picks or winner picks? No, loser picks and they just loser get them something picks. nice. Okay. But nothing... Right. Yeah, nothing... You know, nothing... It has to be decent, I think. Okay. Um all right. Yeah, we both know we both like a craft beer and we both know we yeah. like a good bottle of whiskey. I'm hoping I don't lose because your whiskey taste is a lot better than mine or a lot more refined and I don't want to fuck up. So um, let's hope it's um, you buying me something nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks that way at the moment. So no, but look, you, I think this game is kind of, uh, kind of, I think kind of shows where we both sit with the Giants because I, I we, we, we've known for a month that you're, you're fairly bullish on the Giants especially at that that season line and um, you probably think a bit more of them than I do uh, and that's like I, I get your reasoning I completely understand it I just don't agree with it necessarily but um, that's okay I mean we're, we're allowed our opinions um, yeah. but 
I, I, I don't know. I just feel like you like like we said the Packers the the Packers started the season really slowly, and I think what we knew you know, we spoke in our season previews about the Packers defense, and this is probably the best the best Packers defense we've seen in a decade, maybe more. Mm. Um, offensively, we know they're not the same team. You lose you lose Devonta Adams, you're not going to be the same team offensively. They missed Alan Lazard, who was the next in line for that you know wide receiver one role for the, for the first couple of weeks. Uh, he's back now, and, and and obviously he's not Devonta Adams, and, and so looking at him to put up 150 yards a week and a touchdown is not like it's not realistic. But for him to be able to kind of lead that lead that receiving core, uh, they've got some decent talent there. Romeo Dobbs, like you, you mentioned before, he's a good talent. Uh, Christian Watson, they've been looking to get him more involved for a while, and and I think the question is, how do you do that? And is it special teams? Is it getting involved in, in kind of that short passing game as like a slot receiver or do you use him out of the backfield as, as a runner? Uh, and, and his most exciting play for the season so far has been uh, a, a running play. It was like a 28-yard run on the ground last week. So, you know, he can do a lot of things. He's a really talented dude and they just have to work out how best to use him and Dobbs and Lazard and, uh, and Tonyan at, at tight end. Aaron Rodgers will make it work. Um, much as I hate the bloke, the guy's possibly the best quarterback out of all of them, potentially. Um, they'll make it work. And I just feel like this one is just, there's a gulf, a gulf in talent. And I feel like the Packers win this one by a lot. Uh, their defense should take care of a, a New York offense. They don't. They haven't been able to put up a heap of points against bad defenses, let alone good off good defenses. Um, I'm I'm pretty comfortable taking the the, the Packers here at uh, minus eight and a half. Yeah, your reasoning is solid, and I can see why. I just just that those high lines. I, I don't want to jump in, but um, it's tough. It's t- especially early in the season. It's tough when you got th- things are moving and plays are coming back, and it's tough. But I, I think the Packers are a, a two touchdown they, better team. Than yeah, the Giants. they they should be. You'd think the Packers should be covering that and winning by at least yep. 10 points. But, yeah, just something in, in the water maybe in London. I don't know. The games always seem to be close over there. But we'll stay out. But uh, hope the Packers do get up there for you, mate. Uh, so we move on to a game that has the biggest line, though, of the weekend, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. This one kicks off the 4 a.m. slate games. Uh, Buffalo go in as minus 14.5 favorites, total 47 and a half, mate. And yeah, not too much to add on this. I think it looks like a one of those big blowout wins that the Bills tend to have or have been doing over the last couple of seasons. They have these monster wins. And hmm. this, this has the writing on the wall for, for that. Pittsburgh Steelers kind of potentially entered a new era over to Kenny Pickett last week. He did throw three picks in the end. He did rush for two touchdowns, though, and they did look a little bit more, uh, I suppose, potent on offense and, and the way Mitch Trubisky started the season. It's it's an interesting one with what Mike Tomlin does this week because that obviously spells the end of Trubisky's career in Pittsburgh if he was to be benched uh, and in favor of Kenny Pickett this week. But... Uh, yeah, not too much to say about the Steelers who have um, really struggled this year, especially without TJ Watt in their lineup. Uh, and Josh Allen obviously led that comeback victory uh, last week uh, to the Ravens. They, they To come back and beat the Ravens on the road from 17 points down just shows you how good these 
these bills can be. So I think they win and win well. Potentially a scoreline like we saw in week two against the Titans, a 41-7 kind of result. I think it's yep. going to be shellacking. So I'll, I'll take the Bills at that huge line. Even though I just said I don't like taking big lines, but this one is an exception. <laughs> I think the Bills win and win well. Uh, I I agree. I think that the Bills have had a couple of really tough games. They had that loss to Miami that we spoke about earlier, uh, which was a, a great game of football. And then uh, that, that comeback against the Ravens, which was an amazing game. I think that they put it all together and... Buffalo, one of those teams, because they're not a big market team, right? Buffalo, they're not the Giants, they're not the Jets, uh, they're not they're not Philadelphia um, or Baltimore, even they're they're Buffalo, New York. Like this is a, a small town franchise, but the way that they've built this team is is Showtime, and I think that they bring Showtime back to Buffalo this week. Uh, an interesting tidbit around the, the quarterback situation in in Buffalo. Uh, uh, sorry, in, in Pittsburgh, is that Mitch Trubisky, uh, when he was first drafted to Chicago, Chicago just signed Mike Glennon to a, a big contract the year before, and then Trubisky kind of came in. It was that you know first-round draft pick, uh, high draft pick, whatever it was, uh, and, and took over that role when Glennon failed early in that next season. And now it's kind of the opposite in that Trubisky came in, he's, he's on the contract. Uh, they've brought him in to kind of lead the team into the next generation and has kind of failed. Like that experiment, I think, is over now in, in Pittsburgh. The Trubisky experiment in Pittsburgh, that, that's done. There's no reasoning to play Mitch Trubisky at quarterback in Pittsburgh anymore. Uh, and it's it's Kenny Pickett time. And it's kind of the, the flip side of what happened with Trubisky in Chicago is now happening to him in Pittsburgh. Uh, they're going to struggle this year, Pittsburgh, especially over the next month without TJ Watt. Um, they're hoping that he's he's going to be back next week, but why why do you rush him back? What's the point in rushing him back? Um, there's not a, there's not a whole lot over the next couple of weeks for Steelers fans to get excited about, but there's a lot to get excited about for the future and the second half of this season. Uh, for next season, I think. <laughs> I, th- I really think Kenny Pickett has the ability to be the quarterback for the next decade in in Pittsburgh if they can get this right. And I think they they do a lot right, Pittsburgh. They're a good franchise. They do a lot right. Uh, but it's not going to happen this week. And, and I'm with you, mate. I think I think this could be a three, four touchdown win to Buffalo. We move on to a game that are a lot closer in the markets, and that's the LA Chargers at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, total line here is 47.5. The Chargers going as 2.5-point favorites. And, yeah, it's a tough game, especially uh, after what we saw last week with the Browns and, and of course, the Chargers. Uh, they actually uh, about to complete a two-game um, road trip in Ohio. They, they take on the Browns this week before a huge matchup against the Bengals next week. But uh, they'll need to stop the run, obviously, um, against the Cleveland Browns, who have just uh, shredded... Shredded the whole league in terms of the of the running game. Uh, Nick Chubb just slightly behind Saquon Barkley for the league's leading rusher, but they just couldn't do it either last week against the rookie Damian Pierce, who, who had 131 uh, rushing yards, even though the Chargers did get up and win. But uh, they'll obviously be without Joey Bosa, who's who's still injured as well. Um, Nick Chubb has had 100 uh, straight 100 rushing yards for the third straight game last week and already has five touchdowns, but... The Browns just need to to find um, 
the Browns need to find a way to get them the ball moving uh, in the air, and, and they just couldn't stop that happening last week against the Falcons, especially without Miles Garrett. So um, Justin Herbert, he, like I said, like we've touched on, is the league's leading passer at the moment, uh, and he's coming off a, a season-best result last week with 340 yards and two touchdowns. So, uh, And Austin Eckler finally came to the party. He he got in the end zone three times, and, and, and that was good for our fantasy team and a couple of other of my teams, but... Uh, it was the first time the Chargers had really looked really dynamic on off season uh, on uh, dynamic on offense this season. So mm. hopefully that's unlocked a few things for Brandon Staley and his men. But uh, couldn't bet in this one. I, I would lean towards a Chargers cover, but uh, yeah, absolutely no confidence in playing in this one. So I'll stay out. But uh, any thoughts or plays for you, mate? No confidence on this one at all. And and you know we we just spoke about the the Bills Steelers game as as kind of I guess an easy choice and, and real blowout potential, and, and this game I think is is kind of, uh, yeah, I, I think it shows how the rest of this slate, how the rest of this this week five schedule is going to go. Uh, it's super tough to look at. The Chargers have a top twelve offense and defense according to uh, Football Outsiders DVOA. The Browns' offense is rated number six on the same metric, but. It's their defense that's a real worry. They're, they're ranked 30th on DVOA defense. And I just don't trust either of these teams in in almost anything, any facet of the game. Like like you said, Austin Eckler finally got into the end zone and, and did it three times in the week on, on the weekend. But going into this season, you'd almost expect him to be in there you know, 80% of the season. You know, Two out of three weeks, Austin Eckler's scoring and... and you're either doing things on the ground or in the air and, and just hasn't been doing that for a number of reasons. It's not just, you know, it's not his fault. It's not Justin Herbert's fault. It's, it's a franchise endemic issue, I think, at the moment in, in LA. And, and the Browns, I mean, like, like we said at the top of the show, the Browns are going to Brown. And what that means is they can turn up and they can demolish a team on, you know, on a Sunday or they can get demolished. And it's just super hard to pick. And so in that regard, there's there's no play on, on the game for me. That I think the one here is Nick Chubb. And, and you look at Nick Chubb props. And, and at the time that we record this on Wednesday night, Melbourne time, there's, there's no props out for Nick Chubb. But um, the Chargers got demolished by uh, the Texans on the ground. They got demolished by the Jags on the ground. Uh, and I, I just think like Nick Chubb, you, you, you think about, you've got the Chubb Kareem Hunt tandem in Cleveland, but Nick Chubb, I think has kind of distanced himself as the clear number one Kareem Hunt's the change of pace, the, you know, the short yardage, the, the dynamic impact type back, but Nick Chubb's the, the, the number one run player at the moment in, in Cleveland. This could be a big Nick Chubb game. So keep an eye on on those props. I think if it's anything under eighty nine and a half, I reckon you go Nick Chubb over. Um, you probably want to get on Nick Chubb scoring. He's he's got five in four games already. He's averaging a hundred yards. Um, you uh, you've got to you've got to keep in mind Kareem Hunt, but I think that Nick Chubb's done enough to to kind of warrant that number one tag, and and he'd be the one that I'd be looking at this week. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, mate. Yeah, 
get certainly not going to broke riding Nick Chubb train at the moment. He's doing it all for the Browns. Move on to the next one. Uh, this one is Chicago at Minnesota. The Vikings are minus six and a half point favorites. Total forty three and a half, mate. Uh, I couldn't possibly get involved in this one just with the Vikings coming back from. The long road trip in London, they obviously got the job done against the Saints, but were a bit iffy again. They finally got uh, Justin Jefferson involved in the offense again last week with a big game. Adam Thielen looked good, caught a lot of balls. Uh, Delvin Cook was used so much last week. He he was like the bell cow last week, despite having Madison in the uh, in the in the in the gun and um, you know he was coming with an injury cloud, but he he just rolled on and and did his thing. So. Yeah, it's a Bears defense that are you're giving up um, 183 yards, 183 yards rushing per game. So it should be a big game for Delvin Cook. So maybe look at those props there. But uh, couldn't possibly bet into this uh, with the Vikings starting as a as a touchdown favorite, mate. How about you? No, I'm on the Vikes here. Uh, I've had question marks around the, the Vikings consistency in the past. Uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll try and keep this as short as possible, but. The Vikings are three and one. They've beaten the Packers and the Saints. Really good defenses. They uh, they sharked that lucky win over the Lions. That that uh, high scoring game. They got bullied by the Eagles. The Eagles are four and zip. All of those teams are far superior to this Chicago squad. Like far far superior. I feel like this line should be at least another point, like seven and a half. And, and while it's under a touchdown and the extra point, I'm taking the Vikings. Uh, Minnesota, minus six and a half for me. Yeah, it's good reasoning. It's a very good point. They have had a tough schedule so far, and to come away with it at three and one, they're looking all right, the Vikings, that's for sure. Just the this the travel factor for me, but mm. they should be winning. It's the unknown, isn't it? It's the un- yeah. unquantifiable, the travel factor. But Yeah, I should right. actually look up some stats about teams coming back from London and how they go against the line and but uh, didn't have time like to do that. I feel like they're no, no, neither. I feel like they're at least a seven-point better team than Chicago. Oh yeah, undoubtedly on a, on an even playing field, and, and especially yeah. at home in the in those conditions at home. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a fair bet and and one I can't argue with at all. One we though we both do like, and that is Detroit. And sorry to all the listeners that are going to be triggered by this, but Detroit at New England. Somehow the Patriots are the three and a half point favorites in this one. It is at Foxborough, of course, but. The Patriots, three and a half point favorites, really, with the with a rookie fourth round draft pick as your quarterback. I'm staggered by that this line, and I know that yep. Detroit Lions defense is deplorable and has put up um, you know ridiculous numbers through the first few games. But the, what what offense are they playing this week? I know the Patriots they moved the ball okay actually against the Packers last week, but there's no way that. Zappy can come in and, and do that again. So, look, I, I think the, pa- the the Detroit Lions just have way too many offensive weapons and um, should be putting up plenty of points against the Patriots in this one. So, three and a half point outsiders was is a good line for me. So, I'll be taking the Lions here at this one. It does look like that DeAndre Swift will miss again. Um, St. Brown should be back. But there's just so many weapons there. Even without them, they, they put up 45 points last week. So, I don't see how the Patriots defense who, you know, Certainly, aren't well beaters are going to be able to stop that uh, that point scoring run um, from from the Lions. So I think it should be a could even take the Lions at the money line there. I reckon they they should be winning in New England. How about you, mate? Hundred percent. I mean, this line at three and a half. I don't think the Pats can blow anyone in the league out this season. Their offense is horrible. Their defense is 
pretty horrible. Uh, we've spoke average. about it in preseason. This might be the worst defense that Bill Belichick has ever had in New England. Um, yeah, like you said, average at best. And and normally, yeah, an and average New England defense is elite or pretty mm. close to. So uh, what Detroit showed last week was they need their guys out. They need their guys out there. Uh, their, their defense, admittedly, is horrible. Uh, New England's offense is horrible. Uh, but Detroit showed that they really only need TJ Hawkinson. The rest of their receiving call last week uh, was no names. They had um, Craig Reynolds, um, Craig, as he gets called on the American uh, broadcast, Craig, Craig. <laughs> um, but uh, TJ Hawkinson is is a very, very good tight end. Uh, they get Amon Ra sent Brown back. Uh, it does, like you said, it sounds like DeAndre Swift is going to miss another week at least. Uh, but they've shown that... that even with those guys, like those guys had uh, a number of catches, a number of scores, and, and they can put up points. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm taking the underdogs here at the, with, with those points at three and a half. Um, taking Detroit at plus three and a half. I'm taking Detroit money line. I'll probably even take Detroit one to 13 at, at over $3. Um, and you could even throw in, I reckon, the overs in this one. 45 and a half is the line yeah. there. And just with those yeah, defenses, it's... And uh, just a little nugget for you, the last uh, seven home games for the Patriots have gone the overs. So, um, And Detroit have shown they can pretty much put that up. Put that up yeah, well, they so. put 45 up last week on their own. So I think that seems like a nice little play. Could gee a little same-game multi there with a few of those could, those ones there. Also could be a little bit of a trap, but, you know, I'm, I'm well, okay with it. That's okay. We get it. sucked into traps all the time, as, as we found out last week. So that's fine. <laughs> Uh, this one is an interesting one. The next game on our slate here, it's the Seattle Seahawks at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are five and a half point favorites in this one, total 45 and a half point. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't see the Saints, why they should be such big favorites in this one. I know it's at home. I know the Seahawks have, uh, you know, meant to be struggling this season, but they've, they've shown a bit, they've shown enough and that's for sure. And, uh, the way the Saints are playing, I, I can take the points on the Seahawks here. I'll, I'll keep it brief. But, yeah, I think just, again, with that travel factor, for the Saints coming back from London, the Seahawks uh, having that fantastic win on the road that might have just spurred them on a little bit and not loving that New Orleans Saints uh, offense at the moment. So other than Chris Olavo, who's been the shining light, but obviously injury concerns around Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, who both missed Last week, same with Jameis Winston. Not sure mm. if he'll be back. He probably will be, but maybe they looked better with Andy Dalton under centre, to be honest. They probably did uh, last week, but I just don't think the Saints are playing good enough football to be deserving of such a big line uh, as a start there. So I'll take the Seahawks plus five and a half, mate. I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not willing to take the Seahawks at the line, but I agree with you 100% the reason. They, they probably shouldn't be five and a half point favourites. Uh, I do think that they're a better side pretty much all over the park. But the the Seahawks are doing some weird stuff on offense. They are bizarrely efficient. I think they're, you know, we touched on it earlier, I think they're the, the number three DVOA offense in the league at the moment, uh, which is just insane. And I'm not sure even the most hardcore Seattle fan would have picked that preseason. Uh, they're overperforming. The Saints are underperforming. It's just a really hard one. I'm, I'm probably leaning 
if anything, to the overs uh, with that offense in Seattle uh, and the, the the travel factor for New Orleans. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It might be a stay out for me. Just think at that uh, at that price or that start. I think I'll I'll play the Seahawks in that one. We'll move on to the next game. It's Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. Miami minus three and a half point favorites. Uh, total here is 43 and a half. Matt, I'll let you kick it off. Miami should be winning this one pretty easily with or without Tua, but you never know. There's question marks. That relationship, Tua and Tyreek, seem to kick off better than I expected. What does that look like without Tua? What does the offense look like without Tua? I'm not playing this one. Not touching it. Yeah, this is a stay out for sure. I think the Dolphins are certainly good enough to cover uh, the loss of Tua and, and beat the Jets here. But yep. uh, after the Jets' uh, impressive victory last week, with a, with a really good showing by Zach Wilson, especially in that last quarter, a few long drives and some big completed third downs and, and some nice plays. Uh, he looked good, uh, especially... He did look good. And that's, that's a really good point, actually. That The third downs with, with uh, Wilson... Uh, was very impressive. I, w- I was really impressed with Zach Wilson last week. Yeah, well, I was stoked because I actually had the Jets uh, tipped. I didn't have a, a play on them last week in the pod, but yeah, I thought the Jets would be a good play there. Uh, didn't have the balls last week to call it out, but uh, good to see the Jets have a win and get back to 2-2. Two and two. But yeah, Miami are a classier and better team all around this season, so I think they should be winning. But again, a lot of too many unknowns this one with the um, the way Tua went off last week and, and the Teddy Bridgewater factor in Miami. But uh, So I'll stay out there. Uh, we move on to another divisional matchup. This one, it's in the NFC South. It's the Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks minus 8.5 favourites, total 47.5. And, and it's been a big week for the Bucs. Uh, it's been a bigger week for Tom Brady, who we've heard today that could be potentially uh, going his separate ways from wife Giselle. So... Surely he, he comes out and, you know, leads it all out there on the football field. And he's never, ever lost the Atlanta Falcons. He, I think he's 7-0 and lifetime against the Falcons, obviously including that Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, I that, think Tom Brady just has his way with the Falcons once more. And the minus 8.5 does look like a nice uh, gift there. I think they should win and win well, especially after the way they performed against the Chiefs last week. They'll be really hungry to come out and put a... Put a bunch of points on the Falcons, so I lo- I really like the uh, minus. Oh, sorry, the overs on this one as well. I think Atlanta can score themselves if they get enough. You know, two, three touchdowns that'll be enough to get hit the overs because I think the Bucks will be able to score points in this one. So the overs forty, the overs um, and also the Tampa Bay minus line looks alright and uh, a nice little double at the double, which we probably haven't done yet this year. So uh, we had a few doubles at the double last year, but. Um, bit more reserved this year but yeah that would be one to get involved in if you do like a double at the double i've got one coming up i think a bit later on but uh eight and zip tom brady's against the atlanta falcons sorry eight and zip um yeah look tom brady and giselle is is the big story here uh i mean if they can't make it work then who can yeah, <laughs> and that, that is that is squad goals. That's couple goals. That's hashtags. That's Instagram. That's I mean that's everything in the modern world. So you know, fingers <laughs> crossed for for them. But you know, hopefully, hopefully Tom Brady comes out with a, a chip on his shoulder this week. And uh, yeah, look, I, I think 
Atlanta, Atlanta are a top 11 DVOA team at the moment, which is really surprising. I mean, we, we spoke about our season win line bets and, and that I had Atlanta uh, well below kind of where they're trending at the moment. I'm still, I'm still okay with that. Um, they lost to the Saints and the Rams by not much. And, and we know that those two franchises are theoretically much better than the Atlanta Falcons franchise. They've outscored the Seahawks and the Browns, who both have pretty potent offenses at times. At the moment, uh, the Bucks they've really only failed uh, against the Packers in what was a really defensive tussle. And, and we know that the Bucks kind of put a lot of focus on, on offense. And that shootout with the Chiefs, and, and who's going to win a shootout with the Chiefs? Maybe the Bills, maybe the Bucks, mm. and, and that's about it. Uh, they dominated the Cowboys. They dominated the Saints. They should do, again, that to the Falcons here. I'm pretty confident in a, a two-touchdown win for the Bucks here, especially with Tom Brady on a, uh, a bit of an anger rampage, maybe. <laughs> yep. He'll, um, he'll be coming in firing, that's for sure. So um, potentially, yeah, full of, full of energy, let's just say, for, for Tom Brady not, this not, week. Not firing blanks, hopefully. No. He'll be full. <laughs> the Houston Texans is the next game at Jacksonville. Jaguars back in Duval. As the Jags are minus seven and a half point favorites. Total 44 and a half. And this is an interesting game just for the fact that the Jags actually haven't beaten one of their division rivals at home in the last eight attempts. So trying to get the monkey off the back there. They've had a couple of road wins against the Colts, but that is about it. They were pretty ordinary after the first quarter against your Eagles last week. Trevor Lawrence, four fumbles last week. The Eagles' defense were all over him. Also threw a pick. Uh, James Robinson and Travis Etienne, who's, who've combined to be a really strong backfield. They, they mm. could get nothing going on the ground last week, just 61 yards combined. But more shockingly for Jags last week with their defense giving up over 200 yards on the ground and four touchdowns to your Eagles. And... Uh, through the first three weeks combined, they'd only just given up 165 yards and, and hadn't allowed a touchdown in. So there'll be no doubt trying to rectify that, especially after Damian Pierce had a huge game last week against the Chargers. I can't see the Jags, um, well, the Texans beating the Jags this week, yeah. although the Texans have been competitive, but minus seven and a half points is just enough to tip me out of this game. And so it's a no play for me, but uh, the Jags should get back in front of the ledger this week and, and get the monkey off the back at home against AFC South rivals. Yeah. The Jags should win this one. I feel like the, the line and the total in this one are, are pretty spot on. Mm. They're playing, they're playing pretty good football, the Jags. And, and you know, we, we can talk about the loss of the Eagles and, and without harping on too much about the Eagles, the Eagles are four and zip for a reason. Mm. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, yeah, I will reiterate that I think they are far too short to win the division at a dollar 25, but they're four and zip for a reason. And, and they showed the Jags, you know, how to, how to be a good team on both sides of the ball after that first quarter. Uh, you know, the, even after that, they're the fourth ranked DVOA team. And, and people can talk about, DVOA and what it means, but at the moment, at the moment, you've got Jacksonville as, as the number four ranked DVOA overall team. You've got Seattle as the number one, uh, sorry, number three ranked offensively, uh, offensive DVOA team. You've got Atlanta as a top ten, top eleven DVOA team, and they're they're outperforming, and and so it kind of shows the value of of the metric. Um, 
But I do feel like for Jacksonville that those those wheels fall off, but I'm not sure it's this week. Um, I, I think that they win. I think they win it fairly comfortably, but I, I do feel like that this line at, at just over a touchdown is 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 about right. Um, mm-hmm. Houston have the third worst run defense in the league. So James Robinson, who, you know, we, we spoke about Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt earlier with Cleveland. I feel like the same has happened with with James Robinson and Travis Etienne. I feel like they're a really good one-two punch, but but James Robinson at the moment is is the clear number one option. Uh, and it could be a really big James Robinson game against this Texans run defense. Just to the contrary to that, it could be the week to get Etienne more involved, especially in the run game. He's been a bit more of a, a pass-down catcher, mm, but just to try and get his confidence up and get that, get that moving, because at the moment it is a very dominant, James Robinson and not so much a one-two, but more a one and a half and a half at the moment for those two at the moment. I guess the question is, the question is, at Jacksonville, Mm. do you you consider yourself now, where where you are now, as a legitimate contender to win the division? And if so, does playing James Robinson as the number one running back and giving him the bulk of the carries and Eddie N, you know, those kind of third down, the the passing downs, etc., um, or do you place the focus on you know developing Eddie in and, and giving no. him those, those minutes and those plays? No, you make a good point. I think you probably ride the hot hand of Robinson, but they might just look to get Etienne involved in more of those early down situations, mm. potentially early in the game, or yep. or even if the game script's going their way later in the game when they've got it wrapped up and, and see if you can get a bit of confidence that way. But He's averaging moment, like, he's averaging nearly I think six yards per carry James Robinson at the moment. Like, yeah, oh, he's been brilliant. It was only his you know he had a poor outing last week, but yeah, most teams will struggle against that Philly front. So mm. look uh, to your point, AFC South favourites they are the Jags, so they have to think they're they playoff contenders. So yeah. um, and and Doug Peterson's got them playing some really good football, and especially on defense as well. So for, for all money, they just need to, to play to win at the moment, and and less less worry about what's happening in terms of the development front of their of their young running back duo. But James Robinson certainly is the number one back. It just might be a a chance for Etienne to to do a little bit more and get more involved. So uh, looking yep. look maybe look to buy buy low. Uh, in fantasy prospects now with with Travis Etienne potentially yep. getting more involved in the offense. Uh, the next game and the final game on the 4 a.m. slate, which is a pretty interesting one this week. Uh, certainly some interesting matchups. This one is no different. It's the Tennessee Titans at the Washington Commanders. Tennessee minus 2.5, total 42.5, and I'll let you kick this off because I know you have a, an interesting opinion. <laughs> I fucking hate this slate. I, f- I fucking hate this week's schedule. It's just... Awful from from a betting perspective, from a watch perspective, there are so many mm. games that you just like. Unless you're a fan of that particular team, you're not going to look at this slate and go, "Oh, there's four or five games that I just cannot miss this weekend." Um, and this is another one. Like, unless you're a unless you're a Titans fan, and I'm, you know, I think there's only one or two in Australia, and a, a Commanders fan, and I'm not sure there's, there's none of them. There's none of no. them now that you've left. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know a look, couple there, of Titans fans, funnily enough. Um, well, there's, there's one. Shout there's, out to Adrian there's, one that's, he, there's one that's been in the media the last couple of weeks, which has been great, which is good to see an, an Aussie over in Tennessee and, and traveling over and, and getting on the on the big screens in, in the NFL. But there's not much in this one. I feel like there's going to be a really dour, like, defensive affair. And 
without taking too long on this one. Maybe the unders is the way to play here. 42.5 feels like maybe a couple of points too high. It is a, it's a low total, but I can see a really kind of low-scoring slog, that 17-14, 21-17 type thing where you look at a you know, 34-38 type uh, affair. But, yeah, that, that's probably the play in this one for me. Yeah, look, I, I can't argue with that. It probably does look one of those affairs. But I do I do probably lean to Titans here covering minus two and a half while it's under a field goal. I think that's not a bad bet. Key to unlocking the Titans in the last couple of weeks, obviously, with their back-to-back wins, is has been Derek Henry, of course, and, and getting him more involved in the past game as well as him just finding gaps and, and that offensive line allowing him to. He had a career a career high, a season high carry, uh, 22 last week, and he had over 100 rushing yards. And uh, he had his touchdown in his third straight game as well. So he's finding the end zone. He's finding his confidence, and the Titans will continue to ride him. I was just going to say Carson Wentz, after you know a, a dominant start to the year through his first couple of games, he's, he's had only 380 yards and, and more interceptions and touchdowns in his last two games because the offensive line isn't allowing him to have um, any time in the in the pocket. And, and we know Wentz, uh, once put under pressure, can make some bad mistakes. So, oh, Kenny. The... <laughs> Kenny. I think the Titans can, can get, after, get after him again. And, and um, yeah, there's absolutely no confidence in that commander's offense at the moment, nor their defense. So, yeah, the Titans, uh, yeah, fuck it. Let's make it an official play. I reckon they, it's, while, it's, while it's minus two and a half, I think that's a good bet. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pay it while it's under a field goal. I'll pay it un, under the field goal. Um, the the one thing I was going to say about Derek Henry, and, and we know that he hasn't set the world on fire, but he's still top 10 in receiving in uh, rushing yards. Yeah, we, we know that he can cross the line. Uh, and, and historically, he ends the season. His second half of a season is far stronger than the first half of the season. Last year was the, was the outlier where he started the season incredibly well and then got injured and, and missed you know, the bulk of the middle part of the season. But yeah, you got to his, his numbers at week six, week seven, whenever it was that he, he had that foot injury. Uh, I mean, he was so far ahead of the pack in terms of rushing yards. Uh, and, and that was something that we hadn't really seen from, from Derek Henry before in terms of starting the season. He was on you know, record pace. Um, and I, I feel like Derek Henry getting more involved now, you know, week four, week five, you start getting him fit and healthy 100%. And firing on all cylinders, that that things can can start getting messy for uh, for Titans opposition. Uh, the Washington defense is one of those one of those units that, yeah, again is underperforming. We've said that for probably twelve to eighteen months now. But um, it could get ugly for Washington. But I also feel like it could be very very close and very very low scoring. Yeah, no, fair point, mate. We'll try and whip through these final games. The 7 a.m. slate kicks off with a doozy, this one. Yeah, the Niners at the Panthers. The 49ers go in as six-and-a-half-point favourites, total 38-and-a-half, and this is a pretty average game, and I think the tight, tight, uh, the Titans. The Niners can have their way with the with the Panthers, but absolutely stay out in, in this lowest line total of the week in this one as well. So, yeah, absolutely no play, but uh, we know the class is in San Francisco and Carolina have been struggling big time. Hashtag stay out. I mean, uh, everything I've mentioned about this week's schedule 
kind of go goes into this game and uh, it's a very confusing Niners team. It's a very confusing Carolina team and anything could happen in this one. And there is no way that I want to touch this in any any type of way, you know, whether it's player props, whether it's game lines, over, under. I, I want no part of this one. Maybe Debo Samuel to throw a touchdown this week. Who knows? Something <laughs> that, could happen like that. It, it could happen. I mean, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll move on to another game that we definitely know you'll have no play in this one, and that's Philly, the undefeated Philly Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals. Philly going as five-and-a-half-point favorites, total 49-and-a-half points. And the good news here for Eagles fans is that the Cardinals just can't win at home. They haven't won at home all season. They're actually 10, uh, <clears throat> 10, 21, and 1 over the past four seasons. Well, 10, 23, and 1 if you include the first two games of this season uh, since 2018. So they really struggle at home for some reason. Kyler Murray um, showed a bit of magic again last week to get them back to 2 and 2, but I just have no confidence in them in them yet this season. They're, they're not quite the team they were last year. And as we've touched on, um, yeah, at nauseam so far this, through this episode, the Eagles are legit and they're the real deal. And, yeah, I can't see them kind of stumbling this week. But, uh, yeah, certainly no play in this one. And, and that line's probably about right at five and a half. Yeah, no play for me. Uh, Arizona are concerning. They are concerning for Cardinals fans. The I think the thing about Arizona and and that that record at home is incre- I I didn't know that. So thanks for sharing that. Um, but the the thing about Arizona is that if if you can stop Kyler Murray, you stop Arizona. There's there is yeah. no there is no second option. I mean, James Connors a a really good running back, but you need him in the red zone. Like he's not going to give you much at your know, first second down when you're at the 80 yard line. Like his his real value is when you're you know first first and goal, second goal, and correct. Uh, they're missing they're missing Chase Edmonds big time just for that 100%. that that relief um, running back where you know Connor can be saved up for those to be fresh for those red zone plays. And at the moment, they haven't had any support from Benjamin or any of the other guys that are kind of backing him up at this stage. And I I think if you're an Eagles fan, you won't be looking at that that Cardinals home record as kind of solace. You'll be looking at the the Eagles record at at four and zip going, we could afford to drop this one because we're four and zip. Um, but the reality is that if you can get to Kyler Murray, and, and the Eagles have shown that they can get to quarterbacks, the defensive front is is really good. Uh, they can they can pressure, they can hit the quarterback, they can sack, they can, you know, the secondary is really good. Darius Slay, um, uh, Bradbury, they're doing amazing things at the moment, that, that defense. And if they can stop Kyler Murray, then you stop Arizona. And, and that's the big thing. Yeah, absolutely. We'll move on to the final game of the 7 a.m. slate. This one's worth probably going into a bit more detail, and it's the Dallas Cowboys at the LA Rams. The Rams do go in as favorites. They're minus four and a half point favorites, in fact, and the total is 43 and a half points. You couldn't possibly be on the Rams in this one, could you? If, if you had... Uh, maybe you could. If, if you're a real savvy punter, then maybe you're looking at this going, this is a really good value for, for the Rams, but 
as a football fan, watching the Rams play actual football outside of odds, lines, whatever, you couldn't possibly be on the Rams, could you? They're, they are a debacle at the moment. What they've been dishing up has been horrific based on what we saw in the second half of last season. Matt Stafford at quarterback has been making some of the most boneheaded plays at quarterback that I've seen from your a Super Bowl favorite or Super Bowl favorite adjacent team in a very, very long time. Um, like I said, we were watching the second half of that game last week going, what the fuck are they doing on offense, the Rams? And they are a rabble at the moment, especially on offense, but even on defense where you can normally trust that defense. You've got Aaron Donald leading that unit, but he can't do it all on his own. I think I said that to you last weekend. Aaron Donald can't do it all on his own. And hopefully you know, he's got that kind of leadership ability within the locker room, within the franchise, within the organization to kind of go, guys, fix this shit up because the secondary is costing us. Um, I can't do it all on my own. And, and while this line, this line at four and a half feels like way overs based on just the defense in Dallas. Um, and that was the big question was whether, whether the defense in, in Dallas was legit. We looked at some of the stats preseason around Trayvon Diggs and, and, while he was generating interceptions, he was also conceding, uh, conceding massive yardage and touchdowns. And uh, you know, so far, so good for Dallas. And you know, if, if they can if they can stop conceding yards, which they've done so far you know, pretty consistently, uh, stop conceding scores, which they've done very consistently. Um, this line at four and a half for the Rams looks a no brainer for Dallas. Like. While it's over a field goal, I'm taking Dallas every day. And I hate saying it, but uh, we spoke about Cooper Rush. He, he's barely put a foot wrong. Dallas haven't had a uh, starting quarterback go four and zip in their first four starts in history. You look at the Dallas Cowboys history and what they've done is pretty amazing that Cooper Rush is the man to, to do that. Um, and, and that defense... Against what the, the Rams are, are, are dishing up on offense, I mean, they could have a billion interceptions this week, the, the Dallas defense. So uh, I'm I'm heavy on the uh, the Cowboys at, at the plus four and a half at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a it's a it's a generous line, uh, especially the way the Cowboys have played on defense. And as you mentioned, the struggles of the Rams and and like we like you touched on, we were chatting throughout that game, and it's just some of the plays and. The decision making from Matthew Stafford, some of his throws were that weren't picked off, that should have been picked off, and mm. and all kinds of mistakes. And look, he could have easily had um, another couple in that game, and and it would have never even got to that close to that that's point the, where they the had a chance almost. in that last quarter. That's the thing, almost. You look at you look at most teams that you know you you or quarterbacks that that dish up, you know, one and a half, two interceptions a game, and you go, fuck, that's the that's the floor for this this quarterback the floor for Matt Stafford at the moment you know he's, he's given up two or three interceptions a game but there are two or three every week at the moment that are not going uh that are not being taken advantage of by the opposition and he mm. could be he could be giving up five or six interceptions a game at the moment which is fucking unbelievable 
for Matt Stafford <laughs> and and for this offense. Like we've we've spoken about it a number of times around their reliance on on Cooper Cup and the number of times that Matt Stafford fourteen catches. Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup's a superstar. Don't get me wrong. Like he was my first pick in fantasy. He, he's a stud in in both reality and fantasy. Don't get me wrong, but. He's a superstar, but the number of times that Matt Stafford looks at Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup only, when you've got mm. other guys out there um, that can assist, that can facilitate, that can make plays, Allen Robinson is one of the best receivers in the competition. He's the number two guy in LA, and he's barely getting a target from Matt Stafford. Well, as you said, he's not even looking in his direction. He's, he's, he's barely... He might as well not be out there. He's playing as a wide blocker, and it's... Yeah, it, it is surprising, and and to the contrary of that um, discussion about Stafford and and his interceptions, is um, you mentioned the amazing stat of Cooper Rush being the first quarterback in in Cowboys history to win each of his first four games, and he hasn't even looked like throwing a pick so far this season. He's he's been solid. Um, like, like I said, he, you know who he reminds me of? He's Andy Dalton, two point like. He's just the Cincy, takes care of the Cincy ball. Andy Dalton. Takes care of the ball. Like, Not the Andy Dalton that was in Dallas, though. No, no, 100%. The Cincy no. Andy Dalton. The, the, the Red the Rocket. Cincinnati prime and, the, the Red Rocket, yeah. prime Andy Dalton, where he takes care of the ball, you know, he hits AJ Green, and, and obviously it's in, in Dallas. There's a, there's a number of guys. But, yeah, look, he, he just looks like he's a careful, positive quarterback. But yeah, the story for the Cowboys is is certainly on the other end of the ball, and and Michael Parsons in that defensive line, and the way that offensive line just crumbled against San Francisco, I, I just see it happening again here against the Cowboys. So that four and a half points for sure is is a get on. I, I think that's a really nice bet as well. So yeah, Cowboys plus four and a half for me as well, mates. And we wrap things up with a oh no, sorry, we move to Sunday night football. We've still got two games to go. We've got. Two really good games to finish the mm. the week five slate, and uh, the first one Probably here the best is games the, of the slate. To be honest, yeah, hundred percent. This one potentially the game of the week, and that's Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night football, eleven twenty Monday morning our time. Baltimore minus three and a half point favorites. Total forty eight and a half, mate. And I know you're big on the Ravens. Yeah, look, they they go on over the Dolphins last week, and I'm not sure that told us a whole lot about the Bengals. Um, I think it told us a bit more about the Dolphins than, than Cincinnati. Um, if if we'd gone into the season kind of trying to rank offences uh, and offensive capability, we certainly wouldn't have had Cincinnati, Joey Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, um, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, these guys... Yeah, in the bottom half of the league. They're currently sitting at 27th in offensive DVOA, which is unfathomable. I mean, for those who, who haven't listened in previous years, DVOA is around efficiency per play, uh, based around a number of metrics, but check out footballatsartist.com. Uh, incredible metric, and I think really valuable when it comes to, to betting certain markets. But um, look, I think we learned potentially more about the Dolphins last week than we did about the Bengals. Um, Baltimore, I think, are a really, really good team. Uh, they're only 50-50 at the moment. They're 2-2, two and two, but I think that they're a really good team. They're, their only losses have been against the Super Bowl favourite Buffalo Bills, 
and in a shootout with Miami that was possibly the game of the season so far. And that was, I mean, that was the most fun watching a game that I've had in, in a while. Um, I, I think that, uh, that the Ravens win this one and win this one fairly easily. I think it also, I think the Ravens are able to kind of showcase defensively what they can do this week, given that the Bengals offensive struggles, um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the Bengals three minus three and a half, and the under forty eight and a half. I feel like that's forty eight is a pretty important number when it comes to totals and uh, the over under, and, and I feel like that that's at least a point too high, and and this goes under. Yeah, look, the Ravens, like you said, at five hundred, and and their two losses have been when they've blown huge leads at home. Obviously, the the the, the the Dolphins, they led by 21 points. And then last week against the Bills, they led by 17. And they lost both of those games. But this is a different kettle of fish as well against the Bengals. They're obviously AFC North rivals. They both sit at 2-2. Two and two, So it makes it a huge, huge matchup, this one. And no doubt Lamar Jackson will want that back, that that last throw, that maybe that even last decision from John Harbaugh to actually go for it on fourth down. Obviously ended up costing him the win. Um you know, they still could have lost if they did kick the field goal. The Bills could have easily just gone down the field and, and scored a touchdown and, and won the game. But, uh, yeah, interesting one when you throw a pick six and, and then, of course, a touchback, which gives them better field position uh, as well. But, yeah, look, huge game, as I mentioned. The Bengals, though, did a number on the, on the Ravens both times last year, which makes me kind of worry about the Ravens. I just don't share that confidence of the Ravens winning this one winning it well. The the Bengals put on 41 points in both games last year against the Ravens, beating them comfortably in both of those. And uh, that's what concerns me with the Ravens at the moment, that pass pass defense, that secondary, they are getting exposed. And I think that Joe Burrow, if he can stay upright, which he has the last couple of weeks, that offensive line starting to get a bit better and keep him protected. Uh, that they can do some real damage. Joe Mixon needs to lift, though. He, he's just not averaging enough yards per game and struggling to really make an impact on those early downs. He was a bit of a bell cow last week against the Dolphins mm. um, with no real change of pace running back to come in and, and, and kind of freshen him up. But he was just not making the impact as he had in previous seasons. But it was against a pretty good Miami uh, defensive front. But look for him to try and have a big game and, and they'll look to use him early again. But... They'll obviously unlock that that def, uh, that offense on um, and and try and expose that secondary that have, have conceded quite a number of points already this season. But couldn't bet into this one. I would lean Bengals at the plus, especially while it's over a field goal. But yeah, not an official play for me, mate. Especially with your confidence on the Ravens, I'll I'll stay. It's an out. interesting one because because I'm going to talk about in the next game, kind of talk about kind of historical trends in, in the last couple of games and results between two teams, but. I feel like the last couple of results between these two teams in mm. terms of Cincinnati and Baltimore weren't reflective of where they are now. And we know last season Baltimore True. were decimated by injury all parts of the field, uh, really leaned on Lamar Jackson and his brilliance, uh, which kept them in, in most games for most of the season, but ultimately wasn't enough for, uh, for playoffs. Um, Cincinnati, on the other hand, you know, were, were a top five, top six offense uh, and, and were really humming from, from Joey Burrow to Jamar Chase to Joe Mixon, 
Uh, and they're just not they're not hitting those marks at the moment. Baltimore have got guys back. Uh, I think they're a better defensive team than they've shown us so far. Uh, I think they're they're just as good offensively at the moment, if not better than Cincinnati are. Um, and you know, all, all things going to trend. And I think what it would take is a is a big shift from Cincinnati to get back to where we expected them to be preseason for something to change. But I feel like this line is a bit short and, and I feel like, yeah, Baltimore should win this by a touchdown. Well, let's move on to that next game that you touched on, the Kansas City Chiefs. They host the Las Vegas Raiders at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs go in as seven-and-a-half-point favourites, total 15-and-a-half. And, uh, you know, after that demolition of the Bucks last week, and I know it was only a... I think it was ended up being a 10-point victory. It certainly felt like more than that. They they scored on the opening position of the game after forcing a fumble. I think it was the second play of the game. And Travis Kelsey was already in the end zone. And, and Patrick Mahomes was having his way with that uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense who'd been so bloody good in the first three weeks. And the, the Chiefs just took advantage. And their run game looked really good as well. Clyde's, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a really big game. Their rookie, Isaac Pacheco, looks really great and really explosive. And I think they're going to have a lot of fun with him moving forward, just his, his sheer speed and, and, and that uh, burst play kind of mentality. But yeah, the chiefs kept being the chiefs last week, didn't they? And, and it's easy to see why they go in as such heavy favorites in this one. Uh, and I know you'll touch on their the two blowout wins they had on the Raiders last year as well. So everything kind of points towards a Kansas city victory here. The Raiders will take some confidence having beaten the Broncos last week, but it's a different kettle of fish in Kansas City. Uh, the Chiefs, of course, as well, have won nine of their last 10 games at home. So they're pretty dominant in their own stadium, and I think they'll get the job done, just not an official play for me in this one. Yeah, I think they get the job done. And apologies to uh, to all the listeners who have made it this far. This has gone far longer than I expected <laughs> that it would. Uh, and I can tell you I'm struggling the number of times that I've put this uh, microphone on mute so I can have a coughing fit. Uh, and thanks to Ryan for, for taking the reins tonight. But, uh, yeah, Kansas City, the last two wins over the Raiders have been blowouts by 39 points and 27 points. And I feel like the Raiders, even though they had that win over the Broncos last week, they're just not going that well. And the Chiefs have beaten the Bucks, They've beaten the Chargers. They've beaten the Cards. All kind of challenges. Uh you know, to what we expect out of the Chiefs. And, and that only blemish, that unexpected blemish that, that we kind of picked was kind of a trap game. Um, and, and we kind of figured that where the where the Colts were at, they would beat someone like the Chiefs, uh, was the Colts a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I feel like this is, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's a trap. I don't know. But I, I feel like this seven and a half point line, I'd be... A lot more comfortable if it was seven flat, but I'm 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 pretty comfortable taking it seven and a half. I feel like, given those last couple of wins, you know, if they win by ten, it's probably uh, an an underperformance. Yeah, interesting, mate. But uh, hard to argue with it, mate. Now we got to get and decide on a lock of the week. We are desperate for a win. We we notched one in week one, but since then we've gone zero and three. So we're one and three. Uh, funnily enough. The lock of the week, the only one that we've won on has been a player prop. And unfortunately, as we've recorded on a Wednesday night this week, there are pretty much no player props available. So we'll be betting and uh, into a line here for our lock of the week. 
just from the confidence levels, I suppose, that we both showed in Dallas, that looks to be one option at this stage. Otherwise, Dallas, um, Detroit, Tampa Bay. We could go with Detroit Buffalo. at the start. Dallas, yeah, Detroit, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, I think, are the ones. Um, yeah, maybe maybe Dallas. Um, I don't know. I'm hesitant to bet against the Rams as the lock. Yeah. Like, I'm comfortable betting against them, but as the lock, we you know we need a win. Um, oh, actually, you're not on. You're not on the Bucks at the line. You're on. No, the look, I, I I do like the Bucks at the line as well as that over forty-seven and a half. So I, I was just about to say maybe we do go and um, chips in on the Bucks this weekend. Um, Tom Brady to to throw for about four touchdowns. Yes, where, where where are you more comfortable? You you're more comfortable with uh, the the anger management marriage counselling Tom Brady or uh, Buffalo throwdown? It's, uh, yeah, that's a, it's an interesting one. But that that massive line of fourteen and a half, it's an interesting one to make the lock of the mm. week. But yeah, I could easily like easily see like that being a three or four touchdown win to the Bills. So maybe maybe that's where we go. I'll. Uh, I'm going to defer to you on this, my mate. All right, let's let's ride my bills. Uh, I've been a big fan for for many years now, so we'll we'll go Buffalo minus fourteen and a half, and watch that um, be a, somehow a win to the Steelers. But no, nah, look, fourteen and a half points seems like a low total, despite the you know despite the line being so big, it should be a three or four touchdown win. Um, by the Bills if all things going well. So we'll make that the lock of the week. The Bills, minus 14.5 against the Steelers. Putting our nuts on the line there as we go look to get back to 2-3 and three on the lock of the week. Nick, mate, time to get to bed. Have a, have another sip of that cup of tea and uh, yep. we'll chat to you next week, mate. It's been it's been a very long episode. Apologies to everyone who's made it this far. And, <laughs> and most, most weeks will certainly not be this long. It'll probably be half this long. But we did look at... Uh, the pre-season future bets and lines that we kind of looked at. And we'll try and do that kind of once a month. Um, but uh, thanks for thanks for taking the reins, mate. Really appreciate it. No, of course, mate. My pleasure. But uh, maybe we make that into a separate episode next time so we don't run potentially on this, <laughs> this length yeah. of time. But yeah, yeah, for all those who did stick with us, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you again next week. Go Bills. Go Birds. Go Birds.